As an industry, we made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Lucy Mutimer, current 2D artist at Ultimus, so join us as we explore our journey. Apologies to anyone listening today that's noticing a little bit of echo in the recording in this particular episode. As many people know, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows, uh, I've recently got myself a new studio space, but at this point it is still a very empty room without any soundproofing. So apologies for a little bit of echo that is present. I've buffed it out as much as possible, but there is going to be some residual echo. Apologies, but I hope you enjoy the episode. So today I'm joined by Lucy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a wild and stormy day, but I've come out relatively unscathed. How are you going? Us Victorians have copped at something shocking in the last in the last few days, as of when we record this. It's mm. been horrible. It's truly, truly not fair. Truly not fair. I think we deserve a win. Um, yeah. It would be nice. Yeah, no, if we've, I we've copped more than more than enough, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long year and it's only Thursday this week. It's fine. Yeah. It's Thursday. <laughs> it's, oh, it's Thursday. Yeah, it's yeah, Wednesday, right, okay. Lemon. Yeah. It's, go, it's going that well. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, like it was one of the, and yeah, you obviously mentioned Victorians have kind of copped enough. Like I got up this morning and my part of Victoria was the one that everyone was reporting beforehand was going to be the one that was the worst hit. And it was, and I got up this morning and thankfully our place was fine. We didn't have any of the flooding that's been reported or any of the tree damage and those sort of things. Like we had one tree that dropped a big branch, but onto grass or whatever, no big deal. But um, (laughs) just like driving through town on my way to work and looking around, there's trees falling all across the place. The school I work at, the whole back entrance is just completely no. obscured like you can't get through it because there's a massive gum tree in the way i'm like oh my god this is chaos <laughs> awful whatever what um so, happy to be doing this sh- and not yeah. contending with horrible weather no that's fantastic i'm happy to be here instead of outside um <laughs> so yeah yeah and it's awesome good. to have you on thank you and- I mean, the perfect time for it. This is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that has led to this current point. Now, Lucy, you've got some awesome little credits and been uh, part of some awesome things, and we're going to get to all of those shortly. But before we actually focus on your time in the industry, I'd like to rewind to the beginning and talk about mm. some of your first gaming experiences, where games first entered oh, your life. Do you, do you remember what the first game was that you ever played? Was it notable in any way? It was incredibly notable. Um, I was introduced to games the same way I was introduced to my favorite TV show of all time, The X Files. Um, oh yeah. I would I would have been like four, so I was way too young, and I um, I would crawl up my my parents at the time uh, had a two story house, but my bedroom was in the basement near the like staircase, and next to our staircase on the second floor was a dining table. And I worked out you could climb up the staircase, hide under the dining table. And after I would go to bed, which in my four-year-old brain was like two o'clock it's in genius. the morning. It was super late. It was probably like eight o'clock at night or something. Um, I would hide under the table and my dad had a Super Nintendo and he would play Super Metroid. And oh, every nice. time, yeah, every time like the dragon, like uh, Ripley, Ridley. Oh, R- uh, Ridley, yeah. 
yep, would swoop down, like, in, like, those, like, tiny, like, pixel drag would swoop down, I would yell, burst into tears, and run back downstairs. And, and that did foil, foil, foil <laughs> your amazing hiding spot. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and yet they, they would just be like, oh, yeah, she'll sort herself out, she'll go back down to bed, because I couldn't handle it. I like the way I couldn't handle the X-Files theme music when I did the same thing. But that was my first gaming experience. It's always stuck with me to the point where I actually went back and I we have a Super Nintendo now and I fired it up and the like swoop in dragon. And I was four again, hiding under that dining table. And I was shaking. Oh, really? Just <laughs> yeah, out like all those some- same, same old emotions. Yeah. Something like it activated my final flight, man. It was, I've never quite had that before. And obviously games have come There's a some fair PTSD attached to this. It is. It is. Samus is the reason I'm in therapy. What can I say? Um, no, but it's <laughs> just like, it's just stuck with me after all this time. Um, and while I didn't play it, I guess, it's just that's one of my earliest memories and one of my, my earliest video game memory having such an impact on me. It's still a really cool one in, in a really Thank you. We- weirdly disturbing sort of a way. <laughs> what, what about... What about the first memory kind of controller in hand, I suppose? What was the first game that you played? Do you remember? Um, ooh. Because I assume ooh. it wasn't Super Metroid based on those reactions. No, <laughs> I think I tried, like, Dad holding me and me holding the controller, but I think that's as far as we got. The first game I actively remember playing, I remember um, I was – I'm really lucky. I grew up – I'm one of my best friends. I literally um, – he was born, I was born nine, ten months after him. And so we grew up together and he always had video game stuff. A game, a really fond memory I remember having with him and it was sort of my first controller in hand experience was um, Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo 64. Oh, like yeah. it hit me, it hit me at this time where we were both like young kids and like I was, was super into Pokemon. I cannot stress to you how much into Pokemon I was and but I, we, I never had a game and Boy. was awesome. It is incredible. It's just little guys. If you've seen these things, these little Pokemon, they, they could get big. If they, Nintendo really wanted to oh, push yeah. Pokemon, they could get huge. They, they're um, onto something there. It's just... They are. Mm. Um, man, they could make a billion-dollar franchise complete with anime and movie if they only tried. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, uh, like the Sky's idea the that Pikachu could... Yeah, it is. <laughs> The idea that Pikachu could fight Mario just really tickled that, like, part of my brain. And we just got so into it. And then you could unlock secret characters. And there was, like, we just got so into it from there on. And we got into that together. And then, of course, after that, I got a Game Boy. So it was, like, Pokemon Silver was, like, the other big one. And then soon after that, it was, like, a domino effect. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, Pokemon Silver, like, please. Lugia is just a better creature design than Ho-Oh. That's my hot art take. Every way. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I completely agree with you. And I had the same arguments as a kid. (laughs) And I stand by those arguments in 2021. Because they're good arguments and still good arguments to have in 2021. Well, just, it Um, shouldn't be even a debate. Like, it shouldn't be an argument. It should be just a given, right? Mm hmm. Ho wasn't in Pokemon the movie 2000. Lugia was. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ho just got a cameo in the anime. Yeah, bye. End the podcast. We've peaked. This is it. It's all downhill from here. But yeah, then I got into Pokemon and then I found my first love, which was gifted to me by a friend, which was uh, The Sims 1. And it just all snowballed. Yeah, just snowballed from there. So would you say that's kind of the game that 
I guess, really put you on the path as a, as a consumer, more or less? Or would you already say at that point that you were well and truly immersed in video games? I was well and truly immersed in games, but in a way that I f- was odd. I, I was I was a I was a young like I was a, I was a like young girl. Most of my friends were guys as well, so they would all their older brothers would have consoles. So while I had games yep. in my life and I would sort of consume it rapidly what I could, I I never played Legend of Zelda because to me that was like an older, bigger brother game, and it was like oh. I'm going to go make Pikachu like Sucker Punch Mario instead or I'm going to go like I'm going to go train my Eevee yeah, okay. like or I'm going to you know, like do yeah. those things so I have but like then I'd play Goldeneye with these same people on the weekend so I had this really weird relationship with games but they were always in my hand like that but The Sims was I think it's because as a kid I was so into like drawing art being creative but also super into playing with my Barbie and like The Sims was this perfect like culmination of those two things. A sweet spot. Yeah, so it was like this little dollhouse I could play in, and uh, exp- I'm sure uh, a bit what unpack all my fun little control <laughs> control issues that I have yeah. with these little pixel people. I can set them on fire if they upset me, or I can make them have the best life. Leave of them all in time the pool, the take house. away the ladder. Yes. Mm, mm. Or um, have them get burgled once when you've accidentally burnt through all of their money and uh, then get too scared because the music's so horrifying and don't play the game for 12 it gets months. Really, it gets really dark and really grave. Yeah. Out of, mm. Well, not out of nowhere. We, we know we know yeah. why it gets to this point. We've, we've done this to them more, more often than not, but uh, yeah. Yeah. it still gets the, um, disturbingly dark. Yeah, it absolutely does. The audio designer did not have to go that hard on that burglar music, and they did. And speaking of games that give you a PTSD reaction, (laughs) Um, (laughs) to this day, I can't listen to that burglar music. It's like, ah! It's just just every bump in the night or whatever, you hear that that music in your head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shit, it's happening. One fear, it's the Sims 1 burglar. (laughs) (laughs) That pixel douchebag's having to steal all my stuff. Bad beanie as well. Bad beanie. <laughs> oh yeah, scripture. yeah. I remember. Yeah. Oh my god. This, now, now it really is yeah. all starting to come back to me. Oh. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah. I haven't been, I haven't played this as much in the like with the entry since, but yeah. Now, now that we're describing it all, it's all starting to come back yeah. quite vividly in my mind. <laughs> the little mask, the dust so about- striped shirt. If only all burglars look like that. <laughs> exactly. So what about on the development side? When was the the interest first peaked in terms of actually potentially pursuing a spot, a, a place, a, a job in the industry? Was that even something you considered I, for a long time? No, I completely wrote it off. Um, I was I very much remember being 12, 13 years old, like quite like preteen adolescence, and just being like, games are cool and fun. Games you can't make a game if you're Australian. You also can't. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't work. It's something about um, Southern Hemisphere. Uh, it goes. They go the wrong way. Um, it doesn't work. Um, and I just completely wrote it off. And I started like getting into other things. I got super into music and punk rock around that time as well. And I just like I was like, well, I oh, love yeah. to draw and paint. I'll be a painter. Like I'll be an artist. I don't know in what form but I will be an artist and as far as I was concerned the kind of artist that I was and that I knew I would become would have nothing to do with video games which is 
deeply ironic. That's it. <laughs> considering what I do now. Well, I mean, um, uh, like as as I went through my notes and did all my research, I've obviously like you you went to RMIT, you did a diploma in visual mm. arts there. You're at Melbourne Polytechnic, yeah. you did a bachelor's in mm. illustration there, and even your first few jobs weren't at all games related in yeah. any way, shape or form with like World Vision, which I, I want to pick your brain about because that's, I mean, such <laughs> such a, an amazing organisation anyway in terms of yes. the things that they do and just being a part of that. Mm. But like there's there's a stint with fashion, there's Lush. Like none of these are in any way, shape or form, as far as I know, as an external like, yeah. observer, connected to video games. So They're not video game jobs. <laughs> I mean, um, I... No, so... Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know I, how we obviously got to that point, but... Uh, yeah, I... Wrote it yeah. off completely. I was still modding things. I got super into modding. Like we were talking about The Sims. I got a copy of The Sims 2 and my dad got with his work just like a knockoff version of Photoshop. And I worked out using, they actually released uh, for The Sims 2, they released a program called The Sims 2 Body Shop where you could actually uh, yep. retexture stuff in the game. And I just started going nuts. I started making My Chemical Romance shirts for my Sims and making their hair pink. And <laughs> like, it was just, I was doing that, but I'm like, no, you, this isn't a job. This is just me kicking around on the weekend. And I would draw separately. And, but that was sort of it. Little did I know I was still making and modding games in my spare time. It just wasn't something I was conscious I was doing or conscious that I could get paid for until I sort of threw my hat in the ring and decided to give a, give this a go when I applied for my job at Ultimus. Yeah, which I mean, yeah, again, obviously a really fascinating chapter, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that shortly. But yeah, I'll, I guess I'll rewind to kind of what I highlighted before you. Um, oh, after sorry. after all the time in your studies there, you mm. you were working at World Vision there. Obviously, you were also working at Lush kind of throughout a, mm. a fairly lengthy stretch there. But I guess one that I really yeah. did want to pick your brain about was World Vision because you were doing yeah. some freelance design and illustration, and obviously that that organisation is known for all the incredible things they do for. Um, yes. you know, people and communities all around the world. Um, mm. Was that, I mean, you were doing it in a freelance capacity, but was there a hope that you would actually get to stay with them in any sense? I guess they've got such a great reputation yeah. for what they do. I don't know about the actual culture yeah. in turn. No, it's okay. But <laughs> It was something that I got starting to think about when I was starting to pick up a lot of freelance and um, freelance work at the end of my bachelor's degree at Melbourne Polytechnic was and something that one of my lecturers um really started asking us was like you are going to get offered a lot of jobs and you like it's it's hard to get a freelance gig but it's also easy to get a freelance gig and you'll find that they start coming in you have to really start thinking to yourself what kind of illustrator what kind of designer you want to be and it's not about like what you do outside of your work it's you can't separate the art from the artist what you create is a reflection yep. of you, even if it's just to like make like 20 bucks so you can like feed yourself that night, try and take on work that you feel like is a representation of you. So when I was shopping around my portfolio, I partially ignored his advice, <laughs> which is, which was bad. Um, I was sending it out to a bunch of people cause I did, I, I did want to do things that would allow me to draw all day, but keep the lights on. Um, but I, my mother at the time, she was a barista in the world, like in the, like there's a cafeteria in where World Vision and a bunch of other charitable organizations are where they get oh, okay. coffee and what have you. And one day um, I was really, I was, I was t 
talking to a lot of places and none of them were vibing right with me. And they, they weren't vibing with me and it's perfectly fine. This happens a lot in, in your early junior art career. Um, and a man came up and my mum was like, had just gotten off the phone with me. And she's like, oh yeah, my daughter uh, didn't get the job that she was going for. And I was like, oh, you know, what's your daughter do like talking? And she, he, she goes, oh, well, you know, she draw my drawers. She's like a designer, like struggling to sort of explain my job in the way that mums, I guess, do <laughs> um, when your yeah, child has a bit of a, to, a yeah. job. Yeah, and it's not quite like something that they've ever done. And he goes, oh, I'm look, I'm the art director. Look, I'll have a cup of coffee with her. Like if her portfolio is crap, I'll be able to point her in a direction where it's like it can get a bit better. And Or if it's good, like I can maybe boost her confidence a bit. And um, yep. his name was Archie. Um, I don't know if he's still at World Vision. I hope he is. He was doing some really cool stuff when I was there. And we had a cup of coffee and we just hit it off. And he said to me, he gave me some really honest feedback on my work, but he also gave me some really just, he just said to me, he's like, I think you're going to be fine, which is the most reassuring thing that you can hear when you're so early. Exactly what you want to hear at that early stage. Yeah. And he, as I was leaving and I I thanked him for his time, he said, look, um, I want a copy of this. Um, What are you doing two weeks from today? And I'm like, oh, uh, like I, I've got like a couple of like I was doing commissions at the time. I'm like I've got these. Like <laughs> like try to kind of puff it up a little bit. And he's just like, cool. Come in. I'll have a contract for you, and uh, we can talk. Give me your oh, hourly rate. Right. And yeah, he brought me in, and I had like a trial just to do like some intern. We just they just needed like some sort of just illustration done on some internal documents that were never going to see the light of day, and then they just, the management really vibed with them. And then it became, yeah, it just became more things from there. And then because he was art director of World Vision, this incredible company, uh, I didn't actually get to see him much. So I was working with his team. And when you're mid-level and this plucky young thing, and at the time I had like bright green hair and everything is being pushed in in front of you, um, any nepotism that was there, it goes out pretty quickly. They don't care how you got there. You've got to deliver the brief. Yeah. Um, but it was also in that moment really taught me like, no, I have been lucky enough to have this opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity, but also this is the kind of, uh, I guess, professional work I want to contribute towards. It's, um, I want to do illustration for places or I want to create art and work and projects for places and people that ultimately I'm going to feel good when I leave the door selfishly, but also I know that other people and more importantly, other people are going to feel good when they see it because it's contributing to something bigger than myself. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Which, yeah, um, I, I got to do, I, do, I got to, um, it ended up, I ended up doing, um, how many was it? I think it was like 175 in the end, Instagram tiles for their 40 hour famine campaign, which was <laughs> right. It was a lot. A lot. It <laughs> um, feels like a lot. Yeah. Uh, through that, I got to do some banner ads for them for Girlfriend Magazine, which was a real pinch me moment because uh, that was my preferred uh, Team Girl magazine <laughs> as a youth. Oh, yeah, okay. And yeah, um, sorry, when we weren't a Dolly household, we were a girlfriend household. Uh, and uh, yeah, just kind of. <laughs> I mean, no, there's no judgment there. for me whatsoever here. Lee. Look. It's a hot topic. It's a very hotly debated thing in uh, high school playgrounds and like basketball courts. So you're was, either a dolly girl. It or was dolly and girlfriend or Pokemon Gold and Silver, right? They, they were the two yes, big yeah. hot button it, topics. 
you don't know that's actually like the perfect way to describe the dichotomy between those two magazines (laughs) in terms of like what tribe you were you've got no idea what you've stumbled into vicious (laughs) yes yeah uh it's also yep that's that's my career in a nutshell pokemon gold and silver well that's and dolly and girlfriend versus dolly and girlfriend interesting yep (laughs) the duality of man did you because uh you obviously spent a few months there and obviously did a lot as we discussed with all those Instagram tiles in that mm. time. Um, but it was a freelance capacity. Yes. Was there ever that conversation about, uh, with, between you and them about staying longer term or was there a desire from you to stay longer term or were you still looking at this point to mm. experiment in other areas and try and find that, I guess, niche that was just right for you? I loved my time there. Like I, I adored it, but I also, it was definitely was very much a rude awakening for me in terms of, because I came from a, a sort of an, I, a, a very naive understanding of once you got the job, you stay in that job for a while and you get like a nice contract and you get to sign it. Yep. But instead it was very much a typical contractor's experience where it was, we extend, you get the brief and you work to that brief, which was uh, a bit of a rude awakening, but I also think really necessary for me to have, especially uh, as young as I was when I started doing that work. I think I was, was like barely 21. Actually, I know I might have been a tiny bit older. Time doesn't matter anymore. Um, but started doing That's all a, of that. 2020 did a number on oh. time and... Don't remember. Uh, it's okay. I'm. A, you're a tiny baby. I was a tiny baby for like five years of my early twenties. It all blurs together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I did. Like I did. Like want to stay on, but it was also. I was very well. Like, mm, like it was a wonderful place to be, but I didn't. I knew that it sort of wasn't my end destination. I knew I would do other stuff, and I. The more I sort of got this contract kept extending and I started getting opportunities to do other work and I met my agent um, because I started doing work through agencies uh, for my freelance work, I started realizing that having that diversity in my portfolio was really, really good. Uh, It was good for me to sort of understand how an office works, how the environments works, how working with different art directors influences the work. It's not just you going in, draw a pretty picture, they thumbs it up and you leave. It's you're working to some very specific Cash a check and out you go. Yeah, no. Oh, I, God, I wish I could do one art <laughs> job just once where it's like, I draw a nice picture. There's no changes. There's nothing. Hi, bye. See you later. It's always very <laughs> Everyone's like, happy. <laughs> no one's ever no one's ever going to be happy with art um no like it's it's very much it's such a it's very much a heart and soul even the coldest most uh corporate quote-unquote jobs that I've worked especially in that phase of my life there's so much of every art director and every creative that's worked on it in it even with something as basic as like an Instagram tile there's like 50 people who are making decisions about whether or not that Instagram tile goes lives goes live it's not a i draw it the yeah supervisor goes so good you're so talented oh my goodness and then sticks it on the fridge it's a this is cool i think this is what we're after we're going to print out some copies because the manager above me does not like looking at thing over email you're going to put it in this very specific binder we're going to have a meeting 
20 minutes ago. We have to go there. We have to put this across the table and you will have to pitch it. And meanwhile, there's me and like my target slacks, like holding this document I've just collected from the printer. That's my Instagram tiles, <laughs> trying to pitch it to someone who's like in their fifties that I've only just met together. that I'm already late for. Um, but it like, it taught me so much. It, it taught me how to pitch first of all. Um, it taught me not to get not to get yep. super attached to my work, uh, which sounds cold and cruel, but it's like no, it's good. Like taught me how to take feedback. Like you you can't get emotional about your work, even though you're emotional when creating it. And that environment when you're creating work as well that impacts so many people. And essentially, at the end of the day, you're selling whether or not children get to eat in certain uh, poverty-stricken areas. There's that pressure yeah, as well. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a tricky topic. Yeah, it's, um, but yeah, it would be, it was like, I felt good that this was a company I got to do freelance work for. And it definitely shaped who I would accept work for in the future as well. Like I, I left, there was several meetings I would have where I'd leave and I'd mentally make a note of, okay, you're never going to do work for the kind of place that sent a cease and desist to this person. You're never going to do the kind of work. That's the reason we can't uh run this campaign in this place because there's like um like something i made very it, it taught me that not being political in my work even when i'm not trying to be political is cowardice and it does have long ramifications even if i am just one small cog in a machine of uh design briefs and star guides yeah okay it, yeah it's probably a much so, deeper so i guess your question. Um... <laughs> No, no, but it's a, it's a really interesting one, and I guess still sets up everything that kind of comes mm. afterwards. So, I mean, it, it makes it in, like my first blush, and this is just a surface surface level thing. When I looked at uh, World mm. Vision, as I was kind of and I was trawling through your LinkedIn, mm. maybe you saw the notification, maybe you didn't. I don't know. Um, but like, you know, <laughs> I saw I saw World Vision, and then I looked at the next one, and I think, and I see PSW, and that's like fa- some fashion illustration. There, I thought these yeah. could like these feel worlds apart. How did how did you make this sort yes. of leap? Did that work given what you just said there in terms of who I will and won't work with and mm. in terms of the way they want to go about things and how they conduct mm. themselves as an organization did mm. did that work with PSW still kind of marry up with that philosophy and that idea that you'd built at this stage about who you didn't didn't want to work with it it feels different but it, I'm not not <laughs> I'm not across no it's yet. okay not as much yeah no uh not as much as uh not as much as previously um I took it on because it was how I was able to switch gears is I was given that job. It was a job given to me by my agent was like, we need you to go and do this. I think you could be quite good at this. And at that time I was like, Oh yeah, fashion could be fun. But it was also, I was also like, Oh, it's school uniforms. Like this is something kids need. It's not, I'm not selling like, I'm not selling um, things like, (laughs) like I'm not, I'm not selling people necessarily something that they don't want, or it's not like, I'm not selling like, really like nasty stuff on t-shirts or anything. So I'm like, Oh, I'll cut my teeth on this. The switching of the gears when you take on those jobs. And I had a, I had a few like in between that were just like a couple of weeks. Um, it, you can't afford to not switch gears. It's really difficult, but it's also what the brief requires. Um, I'm going in fully formed to often when you're freelance or a contractor, an art department or a studio, uh, that's in a that's in need of you so which is why they've contacted an agency or they've contacted you the freelancer they're of need of you to step in yeah. fulfill a role from day one 
to put on your thinking cap and go rightio how do we problem solve this and how do we problem solve this visually and sometimes that's we need 700 fashion illustrations corrected because the illustrator files all corrupted and we're switching over to a new cataloging system and they all need to be filed in this very precise way that may or may not have been what i had to do that busy way Um, yeah just just uh you know bit of a have to take a shorter lunch break on some of the I'm days like uh, when you walk, get something like walking that. Walking into some PTSD area again. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's all graphic design is. Um, no, it's wonderful. It's Oof. a great industry. Um, I love it. Graphic design is my passion. Um, you, but you're also it's either something like or you're walked in and it's like you have to pitch. Like we're doing a whole campaign. You have to pitch that whole campaign. By the way, you are two hours late for that meeting. And you didn't even know you were oh. in it. So it's very much, if you do not switch gears, you lose your job, but also you lose the opportunity and you let down that team because that team really needs you. Fairly or not, that's a whole different thing that we can unpack. And I I, I suppose I'm not here to It feels like dismantle. there's an emotional um, blackmailing sort of component. Oh, there absolutely is. <laughs> I'm not here to dismantle or uh, make critique on an industry I'm no longer part of, uh, yeah. I guess. And that I haven't been in That's for fair. a while. Um, they might have had the push like Games has in the past couple of years, but it's um, very much um, you have to be in the right headspace to help that team out. You have to be in the right headspace to deliver this project to the best of your ability. Um and they've hired you for a reason. They want your perspective and taste level on this project, even if it's something that might be the equivalent of art data entry. Um, they want it. They yep. want this perspective on this project. So you have to go in and you have to go in from hour one in the morning and deliver. Um, a great place, a great way to do that, I guess, if there's people listening who want to do like that sort of contractual work and go, how do I immediately get in that headspace? is I like to find the people in the department that I'll be working with in close quarters and ask them where the best coffee place is. Uh, and then you get a free cup of coffee oh, yeah, okay. and you get to find out like the lowdown on what's happening in the studio, <laughs> which is always good. Yeah, a bit of relationship building stuff. Coffee, I find it's good. Yeah. Well, be nice. Like even if they're not people which... that you necessarily would be friends with, I think it's always important to be kind to people. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. And I mean, Relationship building is the core of any business that you get involved in. So, oh, absolutely. It's always a good starting point, regardless. So, yeah, you're definitely on something there. Yeah. Now, still, all the while, (laughs) throughout this period and other freelance bits and pieces you're doing, they're still lush in the background, which I assume was basically there for the most part. And this is me just speculating a little bit because there's a lot of crossover with lush, even at the time that you were uh, doing your RMIT studies, uh, your Melbourne Polytechnic studies. I'm assuming this was basically Mm. just your, your, consistent source of income you always had that to fall back on i'm guessing but but did yes. you get to engage in any of that creative stuff because yeah lush is obviously like i mean i haven't been to a shopping center now yeah. in what 18 months thanks <laughs> to the pandemic but mm. when i would walk yeah. past a lush i would note that firstly that's a very strong smell and secondly <laughs> that uh like they really put a lot of time and effort into the way they present themselves not just in terms of the aroma mm. but also the yeah. what, what you can see you as the potential consumer did yeah. did you have that scope to kind of impart a little bit of yourself in mm. whichever whichever store you were kind of based out of a hundred percent i did um i awesome. was very lucky in that 
Lush hired me at a time in my life where I would argue I was at my most precocious um, which, yeah. and obnoxious, which I think is pretty impressive. Um, they, I was hired at a time where the company, despite the fact it was spanning two continents, the Australian and NZ branch, it was actually still quite small. Like I, at the time, could call the head office and I would have a 50-50 chance if Peter, one of the CEOs, would answer and she'd know who I was by name because I was the precocious, obnoxious oh, girl right, okay. working in the store that I was working in. Yeah. Um, so that's how small it was. Um, and also there were a lot of things that weren't really established in terms of uh, sort of workplace sort of things They're that typically would have in a retail store. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I would do all of our sign writing for our store. I would do the lush handwriting on the on the windows, on all the... on At the time, there was, like, individual packets for all the bath bombs, so I would have to do that. I had to get out a chalk mark, and I have, like, memories of doing, like... I could always do it from muscle memory. It's, like, three shakes, pump, put it on, and then like lift when to lift up the pen I think I can do that writing completely through muscle memory and um <laughs> I started I had a really I had a really lovely like retail manager at the time um really wonderful woman and she noticed that like I would do drawings and I was doing like I would occasionally ask for time off because I was going and doing like freelance stuff where I'd be like oh I need this day off because I'm going to art school but then I like would have a commission that would be due or something like that or I'd be doing a convention which was something else I was doing a lot of. I was doing a lot of comic book conventions in both of work and exhibiting capacity. Oh, yeah, and, okay. um, cool. Yeah. Uh, she just started noticing that I was drawing and she's like, well, everything at Lush at the time was handwritten except for emails, which is anyone who's like a project manager or a retail manager shuddered in horror. But all of the KPIs, all of the sales sheets that you would have for your staff were all handwritten. And she said... We're, I'm going to make a book of them because we've got Christmas coming up. Could you please do a nice front cover because we've got 15 Christmas casuals coming in and I want us to have an air of professionalism. <laughs> I want to put some smoke and mirrors up. So I did it. I, I was like, yeah, sure thing. And I went home and I drew a thing like on my little Wacom tablet on my bed, uh, on my like MacBook. And I brought, I printed it off. I got the thing bound at an office works and brought it in for her. And I, she just burst into tears and she said, this is the, I didn't think you'd go this hard. This is so nice. And after that, I started doing that for our store, like, I think every year. Um, I also, because I was doing that, I got the attention of Peter, the CEO, and we met at a Christmas party and she started looking at my drawings and she's like, this is really cool. Uh, let's get you in contact with the head office in the UK. Um, so again, another opportunity, another example of a very nice high ranking person That's pretty cool. who, um, who I, someone who bought a drink from someone in my vicinity, um, uh, sort of run me up the, like run me up the system. And, um, we started talking to the UK, UK, uh, really loved my work and wanted to put it on a bunch of stuff. Uh, they didn't want to pay me for it, um, <laughs> which, kind of went against oh. how uh, a lot of people and myself felt. <laughs> um, so Peter, the CEO, just said, oh, well, I'm head of Australia. Let's just get you doing stuff here and we can pay you for it because we have an art department budget, but we outsource a lot of it. So I started doing things like I was doing, I did the Christmas card for every staff member in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, that was the year that every staff member for the first time got given like a Lush Cosmetics keep cup. And I did all the like stationery that went with that for internal staff members. And I did a few things like that cool. for them as well. 
Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, it was really, really cool. Uh, there was talk on getting some of my art on like some of the gift wrapping that they did, but that never eventuated. But that's that's just art. Sometimes the uh, sometimes the project just stays in the talk stage. Other times you get to make a really cool Christmas card. Yeah, okay. I mean, that, that's that's really fascinating and awesome that you really got to kind of inject a little bit of that passion for, for art into that yeah. because it is, you know, I guess in a lot of ways people look and go, well, it's retail. What, what could you do there? But yeah. actually it turns out quite a lot. What interests me yeah. is uh, throughout this whole series of events and, you know, different um, jobs that you've been working, where mm. were video games amongst all of that? Because the next they thing were. we're going to focus on is uh, yeah. <laughs> Rusty Rings, which ultimately became Ultimus. But... Um, mm. Where, yeah, where was your consumption of games, your engagement mm. in the, the local scene to you know, potentially get mm. a job? Where, where was all that at that particular point in time? It was in such a weird spot. I I have a uh, – it's jokingly referred to amongst some of my friends as like a, a, an extreme type A personality. I, uh, I hyper fixated on my art career for my whole teenage years and my whole like early 20s. Um, during that time as well, because I was very much contract to contract, I didn't have a lot of money spare for video games. I purchased a MacBook laptop that was, uh, like a hodgepodge collection of birthday money I'd saved and a few other things purely because at the time, um, it would run like the art programs I was doing the best. And I very sadly like resigned to the fact, well, I can't play games on this. Um, so yeah, it was just like a lot of things. I kind of put away this hobby. I had, um, I did have, however, a Nintendo 3DS that it actually still had up until a couple of years ago. Uh, and I would obsessively play that. I, I feel like there's a tragic story here. I No, I had to trade it in. The little hinges that would, like, hold it, uh, <laughs> they stopped holding the screen up. This thing was so well-loved. Oh. I would flip it open. I would work for 10... I would do, like, a shift at wherever I was doing it. Fall like, back down on itself. Yeah, it would just go... Like it would just clam shut in the saddest way <laughs> or it would just like flop open and I wouldn't be able to get it to stand up. It was very pathetic. Oh. <laughs> it was so sad, but I traded it in and got another 3DS. RIP well loved uh, so... 3DS. Oh, you're out there somewhere, girl. Many hours of <laughs> Animal Crossing New Leaf on that bad boy and Pokemon Pearl. But I, um, yeah, I, I got this 3DS and I would work like a 12 plus hour shift wherever I was working I would do four hours of art school work and I'd, I'd be in bed and I would just have this 3DS under the covers and that was like my video game consumption for ages. And I would go to friends' houses and I would play video games and I would hear about games coming out, but I just missed them. Um, and while I was uh, doing like a lot of my freelance work when I was really freelancing, um, I met my I met my now husband, uh, and uh, he. Um, people can't see it behind me, but I'm in this room is like his collection of old vintage video game stuff. He went through a phase where, for a while, he yeah. also couldn't play video games either. He'd completely written them out of his life uh, because of other reasons. But rather than doing what I was doing, which was in a way unhealthily hyper fixating on an art career. He got a job at EB Games as a manager and he started buying back all the consoles and games he'd had to give up over the years. Ah, so nice. by the time I met him, I entered Filling into in all the a gaps. share house. Yeah, I entered in a share house with every game I'd missed for 10 plus years. And then when we moved in together, um, 
I I was I I finally had decided to take control of my mental health. It was not good after funny how hyper fixating on a very uh, creative and draining and emotional career for so long uh, kind of does something for you too. Um, and he brought me a game <laughs> for my birthday, and we had like we had all these consoles. Like he was, I remember plugging in the PlayStation Four and being like, "I'm wrapped this, I'm wrapped this," and I unwrapped it, and it was Dragon Age Inquisition. And he said to me, "You are either gonna love that." Oh. Or you're gonna hate it, but you it will elicit an emotional response out of you. And I was going to comic book conventions. I was doing comic stuff, so I was doing a lot of other art stuff. And I knew of games like I had heard of this company called Bioware, and I'd heard of Dragon Age, but because I hadn't actually played in a while, like a console game, I had no idea. I'd missed out on like I had a huge gap in my gaming knowledge. Yep. So I booted it up and, well, now I have a Dragon Age tattoo and that kind of, like, it, it just captured me. It was, oh, like nice. a, it was like, it was like coming home and reading, like, the best fantasy novel, but I got to make my own character and put it in. And then I fell in love with gaming again. Like, I was like, okay, I've missed, like, six years of, like, what have I missed? What have I missed on Glee? And I would just go through everything. Like, I, I started playing Fallout. I started playing, like... Even things like I tried to get Age of Empires to run on my iMac, um, which you cannot do. It's because I oh, missed like it. The, like like the, the old ones, box. like Age of Empires 1 and 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed the Nutrigrain box experience. I had to try and get the it best. running again. It's so good. Good cereal and a good game. Um, but yeah, and I just, I, it was exactly. like I never left. But I had more stuff there and I just kept going and going. And now here I am and I feel like, it's just all kind of fell back into place. No, that's that's fantastic. And so obviously the the, the <laughs> passion has been sparked again in, uh, for games. Yeah. How did you then make the jump from consumption into the scene? Mm. So, I mean, was it someone um, you encountered along the way? Was it um, a culmination mm. of a few different things? Like what <laughs> what prompted you to get into the creation side of things? Yeah, I like I'd fallen back in love with modding, so I was doing a lot of modding for Sims games again. But I was also trying to like look into modding for other things, so I picked up that old hobby. And I was at a share house party, like just a crappy garden party one night. And the joke that I tell people is that's half true: is that uh, the thing that got me into games was two glasses of rosé and a really bad day at work and a well placed seek ad. But there's a bit of backstory to that, uh, and that is I. Um, <laughs> I was at the share house party and I was talking to a wonderful friend. Um, I was talking to a wonderful friend, friend of ours, Liz, if she's listening. Uh, and she had worked in the game industry and had since uh, was doing other things. And she said to me, she's like, I think you'd be really good at it. And I think that you should talk to some people in it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can. Like, you know, I'll, I'll just keep trying. Like, I'll do comics and I'll do other things. She's like, no, 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 no. I think it would you would be good for the industry and it would be good for you. Here is some people I want you to email and mention that I passed you on to them. And I was like, okay, okay. And I went home and anyway, the person, people I ended up emailing was um, a, now a close, like a friend of mine and mentor to me, Lauren Clinic of Lumi um, and Katie Stegs. Ah, yes. I emailed them just out of the blue and I was just yeah. like, hi, awesome. I'm loose. I draw nice things. <laughs> just incredible people. <laughs> like I draw things. Um, 
I'd like to get a cup of coffee. I'd like to talk about entering this industry. And they were like, hell yeah, like, let's get a cup of coffee. Like, just both of them emailed me separately from their private accounts. Be like, yes, you're our cup of tea. Like, let's talk. Like, let's get involved. Let's do this. And straight away, it was just like so welcoming and so kind. And then I like, I heard about people being like, oh, get on Twitter, like start a new Twitter account, just get on Twitter. And I started doing that. And like friends were like, oh, like, does anybody know anyone that Lucy can talk to? She draws. And all of a sudden people were just like, you draw. And it just became this snowball. And then the following week I went to go do a freelance uh, gig at a place. And it was just a bad day at work, just bad office culture it was everything I didn't enjoy about the freelance work that I was doing uh I didn't feel passion for it I went home I was having two glasses of wine and I was on seek and I was just scrolling through everything like really upset and like bitter in a way that like you know I was meeting all these cool people but it wasn't translating into keeping our lights on or anything like that and I saw this ad and it was just like Game, it was game designer, but it read more like looking for a game artist. And I just remember going through and I was like, my husband was sitting on the couch. Um, I think he was playing Kingdom Hearts. Um, and I was just going, reading it out and going, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And he was like, well, do it. And I'm like, like yeah, I will. All, all the while was like really <laughs> inspiring music, like dearly beloved from Kingdom Hearts, just playing mm. in the background. And you're going, yeah. Yes. This is it. Um, this is I it. can this confirm. <laughs> Simple and clean was building in a crescendo behind me as I'm scrolling through, getting more <laughs> cocky and slur- like slurring my awesome. rosé glass around. Um, and I sent off a resume and cover letter and just a link to, um, I think it was my Tumblr blog that I was using as a portfolio site at the time, which I I do not recommend having that as your only point of call as a young contractor. No, not anymore. Do as I said. No, no, there's seven people on that website and I am still one of them, unfortunately, but um, I can never leave. (laughs) Just have more than one point of call and make sure your more than one point of call isn't just like an Instagram, but um, I sent it to them and then I got a phone call the next day from the HR person and then it just kept snowballing again and before you knew it, I, I was employed and they were like, can you start like tomorrow? And I was like, I've done it. I have a job in video games <laughs> and it was, it's just been this incredible, it, it's felt, it felt like coming home in a way that I've never felt with a job before. And so that gave you the opportunity to get involved with like fire paper rookie, uh, sorry, paper fire rookie, hmm. I should say, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, um, okay. and, and, and like the, the ball was rolling at that point, but I guess was it yeah. really, you've obviously got a, a 2d focus skill set there and and mm. paper fire rookie known for being a vr title was that yes weirdly jarring for you bringing that skill set to that sort of a setting i suppose it was weird jumping in um there was definitely more than a few moments where i would have an anxiety just moment where i'd be like oh my god i cannot do this but it's i i could it was, I was really lucky. I was working with a really junior team. We were all really junior to the games in general. Um, but I also knew from working these freelance contractor graphic design and illustration roles that it's, I have to deliver this project. I have to land my part of this plane. We have to figure this out, how to build this car and get it going. If we're going to keep yeah. using vehicle analogies that I don't quite understand. Um <laughs> yeah, I don't out. either, but uh, it, there's, there's a degree of sense to it. 
Yeah. Cargo's broom. Um, is, yep. Um, but I was really lucky that the 3D artist, uh, Justine, that we had and Aiden, our programmer, they had studied games and they were so patient with me at times when I would not have been patient with me. And management at the time were also really understanding that they had hired someone without game development experience. You have to give them the space to try and work out how game development is going to work. Um, so it just went from there yeah. and uh, we like it was definitely a huge learning curve it was like starting from scratch again especially since i'd been kind of like going from i guess kick, ticking all the boxes in terms of successful graphic design junior career to all of it again start from scratch in admittedly something that felt right and felt like something i could one day be really good at it was really messy and just oh, like a little overwhelming at the beginning but we just would teach each other things. I had to learn to adapt to, okay, what works yep. in graphic design and illustration, that doesn't work in games. So you can get doesn't mad about that. Yeah. Or you can adapt. And um, I would just, just be like, okay, um, if something's not working today, dust yourself off and try it again tomorrow. And I definitely, I definitely got some things wrong at first, <laughs> but I got some other things right. And as time went on, but don't we all? I, Begun, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I began to pick up, like, okay, so this means this, and when we do these things, and like all that modding stuff that I've been doing in the background, that became very relevant. I remember like being turned to one day and being like, okay, we need to do texture on these 3D objects. Uh, Luce, you've got Photoshop installed. Can you do it? And me being like, sure. And internally being like, ah, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to texture. Like, and then I remember booting up the P I remember like booting up my first like png of it and just looking at this texture map and going oh my god it's it, i've been doing it i've been mm. doing it for 10 plus years and i just kept going from that and then i would like i chat to other game devs i pestered so many people over twitter and over their emails and just would go and meet with them and be like and just in i think in a much more cooler calmer and collective way of this being like i feel like i don't know what i'm doing how do I do this? And people were just so generous with me with their time and with their knowledge that I just would absorb it like a little sponge. And it, it was so much of that project paper fire rookie is made up of other people's knowledge distilled through me and then spurted out in like art <laughs> in that, in that game. Oh, look, I think, I think everyone goes through that phase at, at points yeah. anyway everyone at the beginning of their career is always you know soaking up as much as they can they're taking mm. as much as they can from their peers or even just external sources and maybe put piece, uh, points of inspiration and then as you mm. said kind of disseminating that and building some of their own identity out of that obviously yeah. with your own personal identity in there as well but yes <laughs> like you're pulling on all these threads and and making a cohesive whole and I think everyone, maybe more so in the art space than in any other kind of facet, mm. um, is doing a lot of that. So yeah. since then, you've, as you mentioned, you've kind of, it's been onwards and upwards from there. And yes. you feel like, I mean, you've, you've obviously moved from a few to a few different, in and out, sorry, of a few different organizations and focusing on different work, but all within that same sort of capacity. You feel like games mm. is now home. Yeah. Games is home. It's, I would, I, I guess, and as well, it was so noticeable, especially after going in and out of countless studios, offices, work from home setups, 
cafes some people would say they'd have a open plan working space and like no this is just a cafe that you all just hog it for eight hours a day just doing all of that and then walking into a space and it's not just a space where this desk here is my desk for the foreseeable future but walking into an industry that feels like home it's such a emotional like thing it's it was felt like um as a teenager I discovered punk rock and like I was pretty deep into my local punk scene and it felt, feels very similar to that games feels like you've, I found my tribe. I found my people, not just in this industry, but in the work that it does. Nice. This industry is so uniquely creative and the projects it creates are so special and incredible and shouldn't work. There is no way that you should be able to throw, be able to throw code art and narrative and audio and all the other beautiful things that we do at each other and you create this interactive space where a person plays and it does it just works nothing nowhere else has that like does that and it's also even though you're making a product to sell and what have you like if we want to like be really cruel about it there's no other sort of, I, I struggled even in like my like most creative roles previously to my games career, I'd be struggling to think of any room I've been in where I've had to tap a whiteboard marker like against a wall and go, hey guys, okay, what is this project? Like what is this creative like thing at this stage and what can do we get people to do with it? Like there's that and there's no freedom like that and there's no creative endless possibility in any other industry quite like games so it's hard yeah, games now. certainly unique <laughs> in that space yeah can't get rid of me i'm here forever now nope glad to hear it and i mean from everything you've done so far right. like the industry i think is very happy that it's going to get to retain you so i think that's great oh thank god for that because i really don't <laughs> want to leave either <laughs> you're stuck with me i'm just i'm, I'm going to grab a hold of a desk when, when i'm allowed to go back to an office i'm going to grab a hold of a desk yes. and i'm not going to let go <laughs> No, no. Um, it's really funny. Before we went into now lockdown four, it's the the lockdownening. Um, we <laughs> had been allowed back in the office one day, one day a week, and we'd done Aww. two of them. Uh, so I got to see some of my coworkers after like a year and a half, and it was so amazing just seeing people. And then it was, oh, we're back in. Pack it in, everyone. <laughs> but um, no, I, I definitely hopefully, lay claim. Hopefully it's I, not for too much longer. No, I do. I miss seeing people. I also miss the very nice coffee shop near our office as well. I could see you identified your coffee shop there too. Fantastic. Yes. Mm. The all-important yes. coffee shop. Very so important coffee shop. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, but I, I feel like I know the answer. Are there any insights at all you can share about what is next, games-wise? Oh, yeah. I can Are we in a position to say really... much? If we can't... That's oh, fine. I'm trying to now. Obviously, PR response. <laughs> mm, this is an audio medium, so you can't actually see it. But there's numbers and audio things and contracts yes. like whizzing past my head, and there's the inner monologue of voices <laughs> of my upper management NBA going now. <laughs> now, Luce, don't you tell this nice person what we're working on? Can I say much? No, <laughs> but I can say it's. Um, no, that's fine. As someone who, um, this is a project that I feel very privileged to make that we're making now. And it's an extreme departure to what we've worked on in the past. And please, please, please keep an eye on us because we should be able to talk about it very soon. Oh, that's exciting. Is it still yes, it so is ignoring, exciting. 
ignoring the yep. game itself for the reasons that obviously we've just discussed, you can't talk yes. about it. Is, it. is it for you bringing that same sort of spark that your first works in games? So, you know, Paper Fire Rookie brought as well. Like, are you feeling that same energy the second time around or the next time around? Uh, yeah. Yes. So I guess in a way, like, I've had to switch gears because this is a completely different medium and platform that I'm working in with the team. It's something that is so different. So I've really had to get myself in a headspace of, unfortunately, you are no longer designing gorgeous, adorable papal people that we call papal. Um, You are no longer designing those. Instead, you're designing redacted and it requires a very different headspace to get into. Ah, yes. Good old redacted. Sure does get around the games industry. Um, so for me, oh, it's yeah. very much like, okay, <laughs> it's after we've had the fun whiteboard tapping moments, it's okay. You are rocking up to work. You are here to deliver something to a brief. The brief is redacted. It is sadly not paper fire rookie. You have to get into that headspace because you have a team depending on you and you have a brief to deliver and you have to do these wonderful things. The wonderful things that I'm creating for and delivering and working with our team which is truly so special and so cool at the moment is that it's required me to do a lot of um pulling a lot of like the work I like to consume outside of a game space into a game space for the first time which is incredibly exciting um that's cool uh yeah like I'm quite passionate about uh sort of fine art influences and uh like um low art tropes in high art settings and uh, a lot of some international art and spaces and things that which are all kind of facets of art that aren't usually in video game development and to be able to my wonderful uh boss uh being saying to me not only do I get to play in those spaces myself but I need you to talk to us about them in great detail and maybe write a couple of documents about them has been wonderful. It's been just, it's like getting to play with all your favorite toys every day. Um, And it's a project that I think is going to be quite special to the studio as well. Well, I'm sure, I mean, I certainly am, but especially when you couple (laughs) everything that you've described today, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people listening today that are all very excited based on everything you've described here. It sounds... (laughs) It's it's mm. weird to be able to describe it this way, given that you've like it's all words and no pictures, and <laughs> there's nothing in the background that I can see. We're not doing a Phil Spencer no. here. There's like stuff in the background that I go, oh, like a, you know, there's a what you call it from you know, a Kojima. Thing. Like there's nothing here. There's nothing there giving it away. Unfortunately, so, <laughs> can you imagine if they just come out tomorrow I'm on summer games? Unbelievably fest excited, and they're just like, <laughs> can you imagine if they come out tomorrow and they're just like. Oh, she's working with Hideo Kojima. That would I would not be able to keep that secret. I would be here like, oh, I can't tell you what I'm working on, but he is the weirdest, coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> for, for context for everyone listening, we are recording this the night before oh, no. uh, kick, kick off live and the whole E3 mess begins. So um, <laughs> if it turns out that come tomorrow, mm. Lucy's in fact working with Kojima and she's told <laughs> a big old dirty lie on the show... Yeah, we'll make sure to drop her Twitter account shortly, and you can uh, mm. congratulate mm. her and give her a hard time in no way, mm. shape, or form at all. Like, mm. but, <laughs> um, Please don't give me a hard time on the internet. I will cry. Definitely um. not. Definitely not. No, no. Lots, lots, lots of praise because to be working with someone like Kojima is would be awesome. 
it would be awesome and just buck wild. I, that I would be... <laughs> walked past him once when he was in Sydney and wanted to stop and say hi and then he turned and walked into the toilet and I realised that that's horribly inappropriate to harass someone when they go into the toilet. And so that was an opportunity that passed me by. It was unfortunate, but mm. that's that's the closest I came to Hideo Kojima. It was cool. I'd though. say that's a pretty but, good close encounter. Um, may yeah. I ask, like, not that this makes this, like, any more or less inappropriate, but, like, was this pre, like, uh, Death Stranding or after? Because depending on when this you saw was... him and hypothetically if you followed him, that's a very different interaction based on the content well, of yeah, that game. Well, yeah, this was... This was what year would this have been? Maybe twenty. He had already left. Kaji, uh, sorry, Konami at this point. This mm. was kind of his victory lap. Yeah, and he, as he was, as, I mean, not at the time when he had Mark's and he, he'd come down to uh, to RTX Australia that one year I think that we had it mm. or something like that. Um, yeah. and he was marching around with the Greg Millers and everyone in the world, but he'd kind of detoured at the time and, um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just toilet uh, pit stop there at RTX, and I got that close. That close. So close. But anyway. That's, so close. <laughs> that's, that's my close Kojima, uh, Kojima interaction, and I'll never see that man again, and I don't think you'll have the time for me in this show. It'd certainly be the one of the longest <laughs> uh, interviews you'll ever do, though, when you factor in the translator in the middle there. That'd be an interesting one. Oh, incredible. But now, now, don't count but yourself out. I know you're trying, to dodge, you're trying to dodge the fact that you're working with Kojima, and that'll all be revealed tomorrow, and when yes. everyone's listening to this it will uh, a couple all be days revealed after, to- it's all gone down. <laughs> It will all be revealed never. Yeah, we, um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But from what, going back to my kind of point from before, like for everything yeah. you described sounds fascinating, and I, I'm really, really interested to see what mm. this is. And I'm glad that it's kind of hitting on all these key points for you that are so exciting mm. for you from the sounds of it. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. As yeah, we it start is. to wind things down, um, mm. I'd like to kind of focus on, I guess, as opposed to the work a little bit more you-related uh, uh, line of questioning again. Is there anyone out there that you've worked with or that maybe you look at from afar, outside of Kojima, of course, uh, yes. who really inspires you in the way you go about your work? Every day. Um, it's so important as a creative and especially as an artist to always be sort of seeing what your peers are making but also what those people far-flung are making. Um, in a game dev sense, yep. I'm constantly inspired by like the work of women like Lauren Clinic, uh, Lucy Morris, the other Lucy, yeah. uh, and all of her work at Starcult is just, I'm the in awe Lucy. of it. And <laughs> <laughs> there's a few of us in games now. It's quite wonderful. We have a secret club with jackets. We don't. I wish we did. Oh, do we? Ooh, um, the Lucys. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Can't tell you about what we're working on next, but I can tell you about the secret Lucy Illuminati. Um, the Illus Miati, if you will. Um, <laughs> Uh, Lizzie oh. Keane as well, just her approach to work is so good and yeah. just wonderful, wonderful people. Um, in terms of people I don't I like I don't know that inspire me, um, Claire Hummel, I hope I'm saying her last name right. As someone with a difficult last name, I boy howdy, I hope I'm saying it correctly. Um, her work and seeing her art direction on Valve projects. And like I was following her work back on DeviantArt back in the day, so I followed her career for such a long time. Oh wow! Seeing someone with her her arts, yeah, I saw her doing Neopets fan art, um, and official Neopets art. Um, seeing someone with her art style be in this industry and be at the stage that she is at is so wonderful to see as someone like myself who doesn't have, um, and this isn't a sledge, uh, who doesn't have the typical 
game concept art art station art style it's so wonderful to see that um i'm also yep hugely admirable of just of their art in general like babs tar uh mina nina madrafi who's a concept artist at ea on the sims 4 wonderful work their work is just it's so good um my friend jake bartok constantly inspires me he's a comic book artist working in the industry doesn't doing just amazing work and really elevating what you can do in that medium as well uh there's just so many artists and then there's countless of people that have gotten to meet in this industry like uh bennett summerfall incredible work incredible spooky yet sexy work um just so many great artists i want to name everybody that I've, but uh i always i'm so yeah it's always hard right ones. yeah I, I need like a, a phone book and i no, read fair. out there's, everyone's there's so like, many Twitter people head. doing awesome stuff so many cool stuff but they inspire me day to day have there been any particularly valuable lessons or experiences you've you've kind of picked up over the journey, whether it's from your work in games or before, I might, I might add, that's really yeah. helped, I don't know, even keep you grounded and or it's just it's been that thing that's kind of constantly buzzing in the back of your brain, like always remember this. Yeah. Maybe because of one key moment or experience that you had, but is there a few of those that kind of just buzz around and keep, yeah, they're just in the back of your mind as you work? Yeah, constantly. There's a there's a lot of them. Um, I've been very fortunate to be mentored by so many different diverse people. I'm also someone who's knee deep in uh, therapy. And uh, a few years ago, the year that I broke into the games, I uh, set myself the difficult ta- task of uh, processing and dealing with my mental health. And I, so I learned a lot through that. But one that I always come back to with my work is a lyric from a... Uh, positive hardcore band called good clean fun that i used to listen to when i was 17 and it's the line nice you're name. only punk once it's a good name it's you're only punk once so you better do it right and it's an ethos i carry with me it's it sounds silly um but it's an ethos that i carry with me no, and cool. i take I like into it. yeah thank you any work that i do because it's completely right uh you do have one shot to be punk and it's, so it's, and the ethos of punk rock is like no sexism, no homophobia, no transphobia, be good to yourself, be good to others, no gods, no idols, no rock stars, which is something that I think our industry and I mean games and just art in general can learn a lot from. So when I do work and I, um, I go into a studio or a workplace, that's something that I always carry with me. And that can mean okay, I walk into a room and I've noticed that I'm the only person that sort of looks like me uh, in that space. How can I bring other people in? How can I make other voices that aren't my hurt? Uh, like uh, we're talking a lot about like having, um, like if there's other, like if you're developing a character with experiences belong to no one in the room and not yours, bring someone into that room who can relate to those experiences. Okay. Or even just doing things like you are you're creating work um and this sort of leads into the other one that i try and keep in mind with my work and it's once you publish your work and that is whether you ship it in a game title or you post it online it no longer belongs to you and that's hard to grapple with as an artist that letting go but it also means and especially for games artists i cannot stress this enough you are creating work that's for yourself and a part of yourself and is all of your experiences, your influences, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what you're outputting when you're creating something that doesn't matter if it's like concept art or it's an Instagram tile, it's going out there. 
once it's out there, it no longer belongs to you. Your context, your influence, your et cetera, et cetera, your experiences no longer matter. Your viewer only sees that end output. So you have a responsibility to make sure it is respectful, it speaks to people, and um, doesn't do harm. And those are two things. That's like, fantastic. Uh, yeah thank you <laughs> um you're only punk once so you better do it right and you better do it right because you can't be punk once you've fucked up and you also like it no longer belongs to you and that helps like throwing art up on twitter that will get that saying that to myself stops me from checking like that like ratio and being like why isn't no one retweeting my work it's like no one belongs to you it's twitter's now twitter technically i think owns this in section blah 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 or blah 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 this jpeg's not yours anymore um Ooh. It's one of the reasons. But it's yeah, it brutal, makes sense. But it's also one and of, I, yeah, yeah I, I like what it brings to what to what you do and keeps you grounded in a lot of ways. It's a creating art is beautifully selfish, but once it's done and it's out there for others to consume, it's the le- least selfish thing that you can create. Um, so, just yeah make sure don't don't make sure it's kind i don't think art needs to be nice and i think it doesn't need to be sanitary but make sure it's not hurting people <laughs> in a in a bad way yeah it makes sense no mm. no that's fantastic no i 100 percent agree mm. um some curly ones as we as we wrap things up oh, some completely non the the profession specific sort of line of questioning if yeah. you could be credited for any game in any capacity so retroactively adding your yeah. name into the credits. Okay. okay. What game would it be? I instantly think The Sims. I think Pokemon Silver. I, th- you know, but it could be something different. Could be something See, more contemporary. Here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing. I almost don't want to meet my heroes in terms of those games. Uh, I would love to the chance to yeah. work on them, but I almost don't want to meet my heroes with them because I'm scared that will ruin the magic. You did it remotely. Me. Let's say you did it remotely. Okay, okay. Um, I think I'd love my name retroactively added to something like... Um, I'm going to go uh, Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. Oh, yeah, uh, good New choice. Horizons. Good choices. Because those are games that bring joy, but also just being able to say, like, I drew, like, a vegetable that is, like... <laughs> <laughs> that is like bringing people so much frustration and joy. We're just like, that'd be sick. Like, and it, it's doesn't, ha- it's not something huge and flashy. Yeah. It's just something nice. Nice little hat to hang on. Yeah. I like it. That's, I mean, they're fantastic games. They, they are. do so much good for so many people. So it's a pretty, they're pretty good titles to mm. kind of attach yeah. yourself to in some way. And who knows, maybe one day. Please, uh, I will take your calls, Nintendo. Please. <laughs> exactly. Whoever please you are, Mr. or Mrs. Nintendo, Isabel. can you please freak Mr. out? Mr. or Mrs. Nintendo. <laughs> please, ma'am, sir. Exactly. Uh, another another curly one as we as we wrap things up. If you could replay any one game, so this is more the consumer side of yeah. a consumer of games. And if you could replay yeah. any game for the first time, so you've, you could just strike it from your memory yeah. and get to go at it again for the very first time, what game yeah. would it be? Now you've stumped me. Um, it's a hard one because people kind of think, oh, you know, my, my favourite game, is that is that what I want to go yeah. with? Or is it something that's just maybe hit me in a certain moment? Um, like yeah. I've had people turn the question around. I mean, I think I've answered it differently each time. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, and sometimes it is so just a many. time and place thing. It's a, it's a really, it's a challenging one. So good on me for coming up. Yeah, with no, it is. <laughs> no, no, um, I'm not giving this one up. I know I never shy away from a challenge. You know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to, no, I'm going to give a coward's answer, which repulses Ooh. me. I'm going to say Mass Effect. I have never finished Mass Effect. Oh, that's I've awesome. never made it to Mass Effect 2. I got halfway through the first Mass Effect, but it, because I was playing it so later, it felt a little dated. I couldn't do it. I'm so sorry, everybody. I really wish I had waited until the remaster had came out and then I could just play that for the first time and have like no thing, nothing, but something that I love and I could play again. I'm going to go like, I'm going to have to go like Dragon Age Inquisition, like, cause me- I got to do that and That's I'd fair. love to do that it again. Means so much. I've done. Yeah. Like. I had no idea what an RPG on the PlayStation 4 was. And I somehow, I thought the Hinterlands was the whole game. And I killed 30 hours just in that little map, which is ridiculous. Oh. And I was just like, oh, this is just a really slow game. Man, like, I haven't even played Skyrim yet. People say Skyrim's big and I just got stuck. And this just feels but, enormous. Yeah. I'll yeah, wipe a few tears huge. away over the Mass Effect thing. That that you hit me in, so a, sorry. You hit me in a hard place there, but I'm so but sorry. It's okay. I, we can we can fix this still. It's not too late. We can fix this. We can rebuild. <laughs> but Lucy, thank you so much for for coming on the show and sharing all these fascinating stories and experiences. So many of which, as we've discussed, weren't even from your time in games, but they seem to have informed so much of what you've done in that space. And that's been incredibly fascinating for me. And I mean, we're still early days in your time in the in the gaming industry, but you're doing some fantastic mm. work and you've pitched me so well on whatever this next game is. I can't wait to see when it gets announced by I Kojima tomorrow. I hope you all like it. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah. But, um, look, I really hope Miss, Mr. Kojima doesn't screw up announcing this thing. It's going to put a real dampener on this podcast if yeah. it does. <laughs> exactly. Th- things are... We'll have some harsh things to say about Mr. Kojima mm. and he'll never hear any of them, but um, <laughs> we're, we're on to you, buddy. If people are looking to uh, see what you're up to, reach out, engage with you in some way, shape or form, where would they be best to go? Twitter is the best place for me. Uh, I'm Lucy Crime Fighter on Twitter, but without, uh, but the ER is just an R at the end or on my website, lucymutima.com. Perfect. As I've mentioned a moment ago, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all these fascinating stories and experiences. I've loved hearing them. I'm sure the listeners have loved hearing them. And I think everyone will be watching very closely to see whatever comes next, not just in terms of that new game, but the various uh, incredible pathways that I'm sure you're going to go pursuing. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Lucy's story. Thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>